superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. I love this. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Kenny Pickett. Mike Tomlin here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. What was your take on the whole idea that his hands are too small? I potentially was capable of buying into that if I didn't watch him play college football in Pittsburgh. Earlier on the show, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. Still to come. Saints head coach Dennis Allen. Baseball media personality John Boy, plus Falcons general manager Terry Fontenot. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air here today. We had a great chat with Brandon Staley of the Los Angeles Chargers. In a matter of moments, we'll be chatting with Dennis Allen, the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, their first new head coach since 2006, man. That's been a... Long time since they've uh, had to name a new head coach there. Um, and the old head coach is the one who brought him into New uh, New Orleans for the first time. Um, now this is his second stint. Terry Fontenot of the Atlanta Falcons. Just be fair and balanced, right? If you've got to have a Saints, you got to have a Falcon on him. Vice versa. So they love each other, those fan bases oh, so much. Love is doing a very heavy lift. <laughs> very heavy lift in that phrase right there. Um, and the, uh, the uh, famed uh, baseball... Um, I would say pundit, which might not be the way he would describe himself, but uh, media conglomerate, uh, John Boy, will be calling us to join us uh, to talk about what the hell happened between Madison Bumgarner and the first base umpire, uh, Dan Bellino, uh, yesterday uh, in Miami. Uh, But joining us here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line right now is the aforementioned new head coach of the New Orleans Saints, Dennis Allen. How you doing, coach? Hey, Rich. How's it going, man? I'm doing outstanding here. I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm doing fine. I, I just survived May the 4th last night uh, trying to decide which Star Wars movie to watch with my three children, and it was it was bedlam. It was totally bedlam. So yeah, Just in time for Cinco de Mayo, right? Yes, that's right. Just in time for me to need a drink. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah awesome. Hey, I, before we get started, just yes. wanted to say I appreciate you having me on and making sure I'm ahead of Terry Fontenot, not behind Terry Fontenot. So that was that was good timing on your part. It is. I appreciate You know what? Uh, I, I gave you first up. I gave you first up. We had that spot. Timing's perfect. I know. Uh, it's, but you're born in Atlanta, right? Isn't that correct? You've got like yeah, an Atlanta history. Yeah, I right? was. I was actually uh, born in Atlanta. My dad played for the Falcons from uh, 68 to 72. He was a linebacker. Um, and so I was actually born in, in Atlanta and actually spent some time working there uh, under both Dan Reeves and Jim Moore. That's right. And but you're 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 an RC Slocum guy though, first up, right? And when you say oh, that, yeah. correct? Abs- From absolutely. Texas. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm I'm Aggie through and through. Um, you know, it's amazing how your your um your family kind of carries you to where where you go in life and and um you know, my dad played at A&M and so then my older brother and myself and my younger sister, we all played at Texas A&M or went to Texas A&M and uh and then, you know, all of us were born in Atlanta, Georgia, so kind of a cool experience how everybody, you know, kind of follows the follows the same path. But uh, 
but yeah, RC was my was my college coach, and man, what a great experience uh, being able to have an opportunity to both play under him and then started my coaching career under him, so it was pretty awesome. Do you still reach out to him? Do you just still chit chat with him? Or yeah, two as a matter of fact, advice? we talked. Um, you know, before I before I got this job, and then mm-hmm. after I got the job, we we we've talked a, a couple of times, and and uh, you know, RC. Uh, had a battle with cancer and fought through that and, and you know, is on the uh, on the up and up now and, and uh, was really a, a big impact in my life. Dennis Allen, new Saints head coach here on the Rich Eisen Show. When was the first time you got an indication that um, Sean uh, might decide to just no longer be the coach in New Orleans? And uh, when was the first time you got that sense about Sean Payton, Dennis? Yeah, look um, – well, certainly, when you're in one spot for for 16 years, you know it, all all good things come to an end at some point in time. So you knew there was going to be some point where uh, where where Sean would would decide to you know move on and 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 do something different. But it was sometime you know after the season was over. I know that he you know took some time, went down to Cabo, um, knew he was you know having some thoughts there, and and. Uh, um, so I'd say it was probably, oh, you know, a week or two after the season before I really, you know, knew that this was kind of a possibility. And then, you know, and then you you chat with uh, ownership, and then the the process comes out with you being the head coach there. How much, like, what from your first experience? Obviously, um, you know, it, it didn't work out with you in Oakland. But what from that first experience do you bring into this now? where you know, okay, I know this, that, and such will be different, and I'll handle it differently, whatever that this, that, and such is. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, um, I won't get into, like, any specific examples as to what, but, you know, the first thing that I think about is uh, I've I've just been through a lot more than when I took over in Oakland. I've seen a lot more – I, I've I've experienced a lot more, um, you know. I just I just kind of know how to manage a team better. You know, when I went to Oakland, I was a I was a defensive coordinator for one year in Denver, um, and and I went to Oakland in a situation where I was a first year head coach and and Reggie was a first year general manager and Mark had just taken over for his father uh, as the as the owner of the team and so there was a lot of firsts that were going on at that time and and. Uh, and now I, I, I experienced that for, um, for two and a quarter years there in, in Oakland. And now I come back to New Orleans and I get a chance to sit back in New Orleans and be the defensive coordinator and watch Sean Payton work and watch how Mickey Loomis handles his business as the general manager. And I see the communication between uh, the personnel department and the coaching staff that takes place and uh, and so I've just seen how how it really works uh, and so I think I'm better prepared for that um, and 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 I, I know this uh, I've got more confidence in myself and I know that you know I've got to do it my way um, and and that's that's the only way that that uh, you have a chance to have success and make it work. Obviously, you're elevated in an established program that you helped establish on one side of the ball. How will things look different or similarly to, to the Sean Payton era? I mean, it's been a while since Saints fans have had to get used to something new. How familiar might the new look like, Dennis Allen? 
Well, look, I think one of the first things that I wanted to do when when I got the job is I wanted to keep the continuity uh, within the organization, within the staff. Uh, and so I was able to keep Pete Carmichael on as the offensive coordinator. Uh, I promoted uh, Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard as co-defensive coordinators. I uh, was able to keep Darren Rizzi here as the uh, assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. So a lot of the systems and a lot of the schemes uh, are going to stay the same. A lot of the ways that we do things are going to stay the same. Um, I'll just kind of put my own spin and my own uh, flavor to it. And and uh, uh, But look, a lot of times you get into these situations and you become a head coach and you're going into some of these programs that are maybe a little bit down and out at the time. Uh, I feel like I'm very fortunate in that I'm taking over uh, a job that w- it, w- it wasn't broken. There's a lot of really good things uh, that have been done o- here over the last 16 years and a great culture has been built. Uh, and I'm just trying to really kind of keep that going and put my own little tweaks on it as we go along. Right, and then uh, this team uh, had a chance to make the playoffs last year if results in Week 18, which I still have to get used to saying, uh, had had worked out. Dennis Allen here on the Rich Eisen Show. How is Jameis doing? How does he look? I, we saw some video of him having somebody try to slap the ball out of his hands uh, while trying to – his footwork looked terrific. What, what do you think? Yeah, look, uh, I, I think I think he's doing well in the rehab process. Um, you know, one of the things you know about Jameis is Jameis is probably one of the hardest workers that I've, that I've been around. Um, you know, he's just got a tireless work ethic, and, and he loves football, and, and that's – that's his life. Like he does everything is all about ball to him. And so uh, he's working his tail off and, and, and really doing a really good job in the rehab. And I like where he's at. And so is he your week one starter? Do you think he's going to be healthy enough to, to start week one, Dennis? Well, certainly that's, that's certainly the plan. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, right. and uh, you know, there's a lot of days between now and, 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 and week one, but we certainly like where he's at right now. We like the progress that he's making. Matt, I really loved a lot of the things that he did uh, last year for us, 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. I mean, you know, there was just some really good stuff that you see. And, and you know, my vision and my hope is that he continues to progress on the same level uh, as he gets another year in the system. And then, you know, we always talk about what teams have added, and I'll get to your draft in a second. Um, very rarely can you add somebody of the caliber of Michael Thomas, but it looks you know, like that's what that is technically what we keep talking about everything going on with your team, but forget that can't guard Mike is, is coming back, right? So it, it's possible we see Winston to to Thomas in Week One of the Saints season. Yeah, that Coach? would be that would again that would be our hope. Um, we we feel good about what Mike's done in in, in the rehab process. Um, you know, there's still a few hurdles that we gotta uh, that we gotta climb with with any of our guys that uh, you know had you know any injuries that they're they're trying to get back from. But um, I I kind of look at it in terms of you know we 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 drafted Chris Olave in in the first round, but I almost look at it as getting Mike back. It's almost like we had two first round draft choices at wide receiver. So I feel really good about that. He must have been really happy about you guys trading up for Olave. In the same way that I guess McLaurin was upset that the Washington traded down and let you go get Olave, I'm sure, <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah. Look, it, it was certainly um, 
you know, we felt like we needed to add some playmakers to our offense. We felt like that was an area that we could improve our football team. And, and um, you know, we're we're really all about um, we're really all about just what do we got to do to win games here. And and so I felt like he was the player that that we kind of targeted, that we knew uh, we were going to get uh, a, a great person, um, a, a tireless worker, tough, smart. Highly, highly competitive. One of the best route runners I felt like in this year's uh, draft, and and comes from, you know, an established winning program where we've had success getting guys out of Ohio State, and and uh, right. man, I just felt like the way the draft, you know, kind of fell for us. Uh, I felt great about about how it worked out. And then Penning is just a nasty, nasty mauler of a tackle. You got him later on in the first round. That that seemed like such a, a no-brainer in a way. You had uh, you know Armstead leave. Um, what do you think Penning brings to your equation, Coach? Yeah, I think, I think exactly that. I think, you know, kind of a raw, tough, nasty, athletic uh, talent. Um, and, and there's certainly, you know, some some development that we've got to uh, to do with with the player, but really like uh, the potential of this player a lot. Obviously, losing Teron Armstead was a big loss for us, and so trying to uh, find somebody that could potentially be that replacement uh, was something that we were that we were looking at. I think my defensive mentality came out just a little bit in that pick, and that you know it's kind of that tough, nasty type of player yeah he is exactly exactly that and, and you know and I, the next question i'm going to ask you and I, I understand you like these guys you drafted them for a reason right but the conversation about your picks uh coming out of the draft is who you did not spend them on did you consider taking a quarterback at any point in time in the first round coach well look i would say i would say that we did our due diligence on on all of the quarterbacks and there was a spot in the draft where we felt like we would feel comfortable with, you know, with all of those guys. And so, um, you know, it's funny how, you know, you kind of have a quarterback was not the position that we said, man, we're targeting and we got to go find a way to go get this position. Um, but, uh, but yet we did our due diligence. And, and if that's the way that the, the draft had worked out, then, you know, we'd have considered that. And that's the re- you know, again, because it's tough for me to even figure out, and I sat there for all 262 picks, the exact picks you had going into the draft because of the move maneuvers that you and Mickey Loomis made all over the draft board. Um, but the, the idea was, okay, you're trading into the first round for somebody or to package up to go up top. Did that? Did you attempt to do that, attempt to go top 10, top 5 to go get somebody? Well, look, I think we explored what what options were there, mm-hmm. um, but I think the we felt comfortable with we, we felt like there was going to be a run on these receivers, and that was an area that we wanted to try to address. We felt like there was going to be a run on them, kind of in that eight, nine, ten, eleven type of area, um, and so I think that was kind of the position that we were kind of looking to see if we needed to get into that area to mm-hmm. be able to get one of these receivers. Um, and uh, as we started seeing them come off the board a little bit, we felt like at 11 with Washington, um, you know, the value was there for what we were going to be able to go and get. Okay, and then last one for you is, you know, we keep talking certainly on NFL Network that the, the off season or non-playing season as we call it is just one big 
puzzle piece, right, where there's free agency, there's draft, and then there's free agency after the draft. And the perfect example of that last part is the Saints going to get um, Tyron Matthew and bring him back home to New Orleans. What will he bring to your equation in your estimation, Coach Dennis Allen? Yeah, I think he I think he brings uh, an emotion and energy, a leadership aspect to our football team, and he's been one of the best playmakers uh, in the NFL. You know, over the last seven, eight, nine years, and and so we felt like he was a perfect fit for what we needed and what we like to do. Um, gives him a chance to come back home. There's an excitement that comes along with that. Uh, with bringing him back here, and, and we're just really excited about having him, and, and think he's going to, um, you know, bring a lot to our team in terms of just playmaking ability, leadership, and just energy. Coach, thanks very much. Greatly appreciate it. Um, are you handing out biscuits to the media for the first, or beignets to the media for the first time when you see them? Well, I, I was just like coach. I, I was I was hoping that Sean would just keep sending them, and that I'd save a little bit in the wallet and wouldn't have to spend for those things. Man, he set the bar too high. I think. You know, no offense. I mean, <laughs> maybe that maybe that'll be one of the differences. Like he's Ted Lasso. I mean, that was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, at least he stopped talking uh, for you to actually take the job. So that 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 was helpful. Uh, <laughs> that was helpful for me. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. take, you, yeah. you take care of yourself, I'll, Coach. I'm going to stay away from that one. No problem. I can say that, right? Thanks for the co- uh, call, okay, Dennis Rich. Allen. We'll do take this care, again. Buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's Dennis Allen, everybody, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. I think Sean just finished like five minutes, five minutes ago. At least he stopped talking. We got he Sean. We did get Sean Payton to sign the Ted Lasso yeah, believe sign. Yeah. I don't know if it's we on camera for your for your shot behind. There it is. Yeah. you could see uh, if you're watching right on Peacock that said, that yeah. scribble above the believe sign. Yeah, yeah we got uh, Sean Payton to sign that. I think any. I think we should get any coach that comes in here to the Great. studio to sign that. I love it. Yeah. That's Unfortunately, we thought of that the minute Ron Rivera left here. Yeah, Ron was <laughs> here for Super Bowl week, and we're like, ah. I think every coach should sign the belief sign, don't I you think? That's a great idea. Okay. Just like we get the UCLA people. Put That's it right. Right bowl. below that, those are the Rose Bowl seats that and our then, friend uh, Deedon from the Rose Bowl sent us. And we, we get, try to get every player to sign the helmet. You know. So every single player that's played in the Rose Bowl. That we've had in here. here yeah. right? Charles Woodson, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan Leaf, clearly, obviously. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Aikman signed Aikman. Ron Rivera, I think, did sign the. Rose Bowl seat. That's right, because he okay. Because he's been in here twice. And and the neat thing is these are seats three and four in the Rose Bowl. And Josh Rosen, uh, the the number four is still in there as the uh, the the plate that this Rose Bowl screwed into that seat. The number three fell out, but Josh wore number three. See, he wrote the number three and signed next to that. We love that item. Very funny. All right, let's take a break. When we come back here, the simple question about what happened in Major League Baseball is what what the hell was that all about? Madison Bumgarner being checked for uh, sticky stuff on his hand, but the umpire stared at him while he did it. In the first inning. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's next. John Boy to talk about it as well, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Terry Fontenot of the Falcons still to come. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. 
Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, uh, John Boy of John Boy Media is about to join us. He, he's the king of lip reading. He, he had a video uh, from last night's Yankees game, their first loss, an 11-game winning streak is done, where, uh, where, 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 where Boone, Boone got ejected for arguing balls and strikes on Aaron Judge, and it was the most profane argument between him and the umpire, and he, lip, he, he nailed every lip read down to the syllable how are they so good at so that? there's 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 the arguments that happen when there when there's a, a managers yelling at an umpire and umpire yelling back then there's the ejection that comes from an umpire staring at a player uh while he massages his hand that happened yesterday at the end of our show we saw this video right before we went off the air first base umpire dan bellino checking the left hand of madison bumgarner who gave up a run in the uh, bottom of the first inning in Miami yesterday and was barking at the home plate umpire and the first base umpire is the one in charge of checking his hand. He's just touching his hand and staring at Bumgarner who's looking down at his hand until Bumgarner looks up and sees the umpire staring at him <laughs> while he's massaging his hand and Bumgarner said the magic word and Bellino ejected him. <laughs> and uh, two things about this. First, an apology. An apology because we told everybody about this at the end of the show, and we said, please Google it. So if you Googled Madison video yesterday, we apologize if you found something else. Number two, number two is after the game. I said at the end of the show yesterday, in addition to saying Google Madison video, um, that, 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 uh, <laughs> in addition, in addition, to that, I, I said after, oh, wow. I, I said, don't, I said after, afterwards, Dan Bellino is going to have to say something after the game. He's going to have to talk about it after the game. What's he going to say? Like, he's got to at least explain like why he was staring at Bumgarner and not looking at the hand he's inspecting, which is his job to do. And all he said after the game was, quote, there really wasn't a conversation there as the report will note because they have to make a report for the major league baseball commissioner that will release it well there really wasn't a conversation there as the report will note yeah that's the point he just made some inappropriate comments and was removed from the game how about your stare was inappropriate and it gives off the impression that you have an agenda which is the worst thing for an umpire to give off as an impression and it's even worse that he's just like, yeah, I'm not going to even explain to you what I was doing, touching his fingers and looking at him until he would meet my gaze. And then actually, I don't even know what he told the umpire, but if my job was dependent on somebody else checking my hand and as they're checking my hand and staring at me, eager to elicit a reaction, and I say something that causes me to be ejected, I would basically counter and saying, actually what I said is extremely appropriate. 
You're the inappropriate one. Who's inappropriate? Me or you? It's appropriate to tell you the magic word. What are you doing? What's inappropriate is you not explaining what you're doing staring at a guy while you're touching his hand. That's the inappropriate thing. What's appropriate is you describing your actions. Dan Bellino. So to discuss all of that and more is our friend who's got a big announcement from John Boy Media back here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line. John Boy. How are you, John Boy? I'm doing very well. Excited to be back. You know, it's a, a quicker turnaround between appearances. Time, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. You know, we, we had to call you because you're, you're, you're very well known for your lip reading. How are you at awkward stare reading? How are you at that, John Boy? <laughs> How are you? With I, that? I'm going to find out. I'm working on that one uh, as we speak, and it is a doozy. It is very bizarre. Well, I mean, look, we we knew this uh, sort of TSA checkpoint setup that Major League Baseball threw uh, into the mix in the middle of last season. At some point, was going to lead to an awkward exchange, if not a an outright ejection. But what the hell happened with Madison Bumgarner and the uh, umpire Dan Bellino yesterday? Do you think? So as far as my kind of really quick, I haven't deep dove researches, is uh, there in 2018 or 2019, Madison Bummer got ejected for arguing with uh, an umpire that was on Dan, what is it, Bellino? Dan Bellino, crew? yes, sir, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. That was on his crew, and then the next day, when uh, or the next time he was behind the dish, he squeezed Madison Bumgarner. So, and uh, he had words for him. So he seems like an umpire that loves standing up for his uh, brethren, another umpire. So as Madison, as Madison, as Mad Bum comes off the mound, he he chirps at the umpire, says it should have been a strikeout because they, he thought the home plate umpire missed a call. And I think the Dan umpire is punishing him for yelling at his coworker by staring like, really, that's how you're going to treat us kind of vibe, uh, but definitely just waits it out. And Mad Bum says, if you, you got something to say, F you. And then he's out. <laughs> I kind of don't blame Madison Bumgarner. If somebody's just going to be just, you know, going through the motions of, uh, of his job, right? I mean, if you're looking for something, you should literally be looking for something, like truly looking at the hand that you're inspecting not staring at the guy while you're massaging his hand, waiting for him to say something objectionable, which is what, uh, there's no other way to describe what we just saw yesterday. Both actions on their own are awkward. If if he was to stare at him like that and wasn't holding his hand, it would still be painfully awkward. And if he wasn't staring at him, but massaging his hand for that long, that's also awkward. You combine the two and we're in a really weird territory of uh, awkwardness. Well, I mean, and then the the making it even worse, you know, we 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 kind of saw this uh, yesterday um, at the end of our show because this was a matinee down in Miami, and so we saw this and kind of hit on it. And my my thought was like, okay, so one hundred percent, we're going to have to see what the umpire says after the game to 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 explain himself. And all Dan Bellino said after the game was, quote, well, there really wasn't a conversation there, as the report will note, meaning the commissioner's report that they have to um, file. He just made some inappropriate comments and was removed from the game. And that's all he said. And that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable at all as an answer. 
from the umpire. No, Wouldn't you agree? I mean, they, he definitely goaded him into it. And it. The magic word for a lot of umpires is you, once you make it personal. I'm sure if you put the F word ahead of that, that's a pretty easy trigger <laughs> yes. for them. But, I mean, that doesn't happen if he's not slowly massaging and staring angrily into his eyes. What? It's, you know, it's like, hey, get out of here, man. This is weird. So, so I think he would have uh, ejected him even if those weren't the words he said. He was just trying to eject someone. And I've heard this umpire was a lawyer and uh, really writes really, really detailed and good reports. And you can see from his comments after the game that he's kind of proud of that. He just keeps saying, uh, as the report will note, as my report will note. So I think. He's pretty amped up that he has extra work after the game where he can put his uh, law degree. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, you know what? I mean, we could laugh about it all we want, but um, when it comes down to it, there there should be no 100%. There should be no question that the umpire that's behind home plate or at any base in Major League Baseball does not take into the game with him any sort of preconceived notion against a player or baggage or anything like that. I mean, that's what called being a professional is about, don't you think? I mean, what what do you think should be done here, if anything, John Boy? They're going to handle it all behind closed doors. But this is, I mean, it's the first inning. And as an umpire, you know how much this hurts the team. Now they have to use, I mean, how many pitchers did they end up using? One, two, three, four, five, six more pitchers to complete the game. That hurts them going into the weekend series. That hurts them going into the next game. And Madison Bumgarner's having a really good start to his season. And now he's got this one-inning pitch, one-earned run start on his record. It's just more at stake than your induced hurt feelings, you know? Like, your, your feelings are only hurt because you wanted them to get hurt right there. You were searching for it. So, it's, I mean, I, I don't always like saying it's the ump show, but this was probably the biggest one we've seen in a while i think so and i i guess this is the holding of the beer of the angel hernandez kyle schwarber uh set to that we saw on sunday night baseball a couple of weeks ago and i hate to do this you know and i just said this moments ago you know i i it's a tough gig man it's one of the toughest gigs in sports is umpiring and obviously home plate umpiring but do you think baseball is an umpiring problem john boy what do you think well, I just think that um, better solutions have, have come and, and are coming. I think the, the problem is that more pitchers, are, more, more pitchers are being thrown harder, faster, with more movement. And, and then the, the strike zone is still subjective kind of to what the ump decides it is that day. And, you know, oh, this, this guy calls it off the plate a lot. So, well, I mean, isn't it one zone for everyone? Why does, why does umps have tendencies? But that is the human nature of it. And because there was no solution, people tricked themselves and said, you know what, I love the human element. I like it. And the only reason people said that is because there was no solution. So you just had to trick yourself into saying, this isn't that bad. We have a pretty easy fix that should be here relatively soon. So what is that? I just think the job is incredibly hard. And then I also am, I haven't done a lot of research on this, but I don't know if you saw Joe West's comments. And he, he said he reached out to Angel Hernandez to see what MLB scored his performance that night. And they scored it a, a, apparently a 98 out of 100. Come on. And we, we heard Theo Epstein say that if he was to make some changes in baseball, he would widen the strike zone. And we saw Alex Rodriguez say that he would widen the strike zone and make it, um, you know, uh, fat and short instead of skinny and tall, which it became. And I agree with that change. They should change the strike zone. It would be better to have more balls in play with that. And I, 
I want to look into it because it almost feels like the umpires got a little bit of that memo, but no one else did because balls off the plate are on either side are being called seemingly more this year than years past. But that is not official or anything. But I do want to look into that. Well, okay, so a couple things you just said. So what are the changes that are coming soon that you're, you're referring to that f- people might not Well, they're already right? testing out the, you know, um, I don't even know if it is robot, but automatic balls and strikes being called in lower levels where there's still an umpire standing behind home plate, but he has an earpiece in. And then after the pitch, he gets told by the computer or whatever it is, you know, that was a striker ball, then he makes the call. There's, it's not perfected yet, though. There's pitches that, you know, if I throw a pitch that's 20 feet in the air and then it comes down and it lands at the batters in between his feet, but it nicks the zone, it's calling that a strike because technically it nicked the zone. Um, so I, last I read, they didn't really perfect that it had to go through the zone. So I, I don't think it's ready. But I, once it's ready and once what the automatic strike zone looks like, per the robots calls uh, is what we all say. Yeah, that seems right. It, it should be implemented as soon as possible, in so, my opinion. But so, I just don't think we're ready yet. So the, oh, oh, so the role of a home plate umpire would be to basically be the communicator of what the computers called something and then make, mm-hmm. and then be the human being who adjudicates whether somebody's safe or out at home or, or balls fair yeah, or foul. Yeah, the pace of play, get guys uh, in the box and the pitcher moving. And you like uh, that? You know, you got to get the new ball out. They're always looking for new balls after they get stuck. Yes, that's and true. Plays at the plate, uh, <laughs> swings, I guess. You like There's that? Still some stuff to be done. You like that? You you would like that? You would prefer that than the current setup? You'd like that? If if the calls are correct, like right now, if. We're all watching a game. Sometimes there's a collective groan at the bar and the crowd because everybody watching had it as a strike or a ball, but the umpire had it off. If we changed to robots and we still had those collective groans nonstop and it wasn't, it didn't feel better. The technology didn't get us in a better place. I would not. I would say it's not worth it. But I think it can get there. A lot of a lot of leagues and sports use this technology of ball tracking. So, um, yeah, it would need to just feel good. Everyone would need to kind of say, like, no, yeah, I trust it. That's right. And then you th- you heard Joe West said that Angel Hernandez told him that that disastrous night behind home plate where everybody hated him and the whole country was chiming in and Kyle Schwarber and his reaction was giving everybody who was watching the ability to feel like they were venting with him, that baseball thought he was damn near perfect that night? Is that is that what you just said? Yes. So I can find it. I don't know who originally had the article. I wish I could quote them. But Joe West is making the rounds now because he's retired. Right, and he's got and, his um, podcast. He doesn't have a mic every Sunday night, so he's going on a lot of shows. Good right. for him. He's got a lot of cool stories to share. And he said that it was graded 96% from MLB. On a podcast he went on, I'm trying to search. I don't want to shout someone out. Uh, 670 to score, home plate Angel Hernandez. Joe West went on there, said he asked Angel, how did they, what was your score? And he got a 96%. And Joe West said they need to sync the strike zone that they're grading the umpires on with the public perception of the strike zone. So I'm I'm really interested to see if there is a disagreement there. (laughs) If the the box box is putting on the screen is different than what MLB is grading the umps on. So that's a pretty... 
Hey, that's that's a problem. Of course. Well, I, look, if 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 the they're grading the umps on a certain box and then the box that the uh, national TV partners and then, of course, the local TV partners are all using and we're all saying these people suck and baseball's like way to go. That's one thing. But the players are the ones who are flipping out. I mean, your your breakdown, John Boy, of it with with uh, the lip reading of Girardi and Schwarber and everything was was terrific. Uh, I mean, there that's the problem. Forget about the disconnect with with the the fans, which is significant. But if there's still a disconnect with the those who are actually competing, that's out of that's that's nuts. That's crazy. Yes, I agree. I don't and I'm, I don't know if that's the case. But I'm interested because we've heard just people talk about how they want the strike zone to go back to being uh, wider instead of taller and skinny. And I, I don't know. Okay. Maybe the umpires said, yeah, we too. We want that to go back as well. But they call based on the scores they get, you know, and, and that information isn't public to us. We have third-party Twitter accounts that, that do their own grading system on a different strike zone, apparently. So mm. – there just needs to be more transparency. If the umpires are getting graded by MLB after each game, let us know. Because then, and then let us know what the parameters of that grading system are, so we as a viewer and players understand what they have to be looking for when it comes to the pitches. Before I, I let you go on your day, and we get to your news, just a couple minutes here, because you and John Boy Media see more baseball maybe than everybody else combined. Uh, is there something up with the baseball? Are you noticing something with the baseball? Is it deadened? Do we have a yeah, dead ball? But I, I believe they've admitted that that is that is the case. They said going into the they said going into the 2021 season last year that they wanted to have a a tighter or a looser whatever makes it uh, fly less baseball. But because of shipping and quarantine and all that and in, and logistics going down, we had a mixed bag of baseball. So some games have the juice ball and some games have the new ball because production stopped. And they said this year the plan was it to be the ball that flies less. So I believe MLB is has been open about that, that, yes, we did change the ball. Mm, okay. Um, is that why the Yankees pitching looks so damn good? Or or, or what? What do you think? Because to me that's the number one surprise of the season so far. Uh, is the, yeah, well, they, they're yeah. all working on new pitches nonstop. And uh, I like what Matt Blake's been doing. Like every pitcher last year started throwing a – change up and every pitcher this year is throwing a cutter and they're they're working well but we definitely had the two juice ball years 2017 and 2019 and and um this is from alex chamberlain on twitter home runs that were uh, uh barreled to straight away were home runs 46 percent of the time in 2017 and 45 percent of the time in 2019 and we're down to 26 percent wow this year that is significant that's a large number um, so, okay, congratulations, John Boy, on the news that you have today. I'll just give you the floor to share it with uh, my viewing and listening audience here. Yeah, thank you very much. We, we were seeking uh, another round of funding so we can kind of go to that next level as a company and, and, and build the infrastructure and the management and, and, you know, searching for a CEO. And we closed a round of funding. We got $5 million from... A collection of investors and and the the leader uh, of the round was Connect Ventures, which is a CAA and NEA joint system. So through them, we got some players and some really uh, popular people to come in and be part of it that we hope to utilize and and uh, believe they'll add value. And it allows us to 
kind of take a, a couple more chances, not need everything to be an instant success and, and dream a little bigger. So we're we're super excited. And then to you it's not just gonna be for baseball too, right? You're gonna you're gonna do this for all uh, you, yeah, we're going to try. I don't, we don't have any single sport that we're putting on the map and saying we'd need to cover this. I, I'm more thinking about it as finding people that we think have the same kind of um, attitude about about making things and fun uh, for what they're doing and whatever they cover, then let's add them to the mix. But uh, keeping the same tone and brand of of everything we've done is main priority as we look to add more people. Yeah, I'm looking at the names here. Uh, Billy Crystal, Josh Hader, Gabriel Union, Dwayne Wade, Carl Anthony Towns, you got Noah Syndergaard, CeCe Sabathia. Those are some pretty interesting names that are putting their uh, hard-earned American dollars on uh, on, on John Boy Media. I, I say congratulations to you, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's always it's bizarre to hear, and, and some <laughs> of them, you know, we reached out because we knew they were fans and others – um, CAA reached out and it's, uh, it's wild. Billy Crystal, I still haven't met him yet. But we, uh, we chatted and I, I said, they said, what celebrity would you like? I said, I don't know. I don't really do celebrity culture that much. I said, Billy Crystal, I, that would be the one that I would brag about to my parents and, and everyone. So that was, that was very exciting. Well, have fun storming the castle, John boy. Okay. Yeah. You, um, congrats. Thank you. Congratulations on everything that's going on with you, as uh, I always say, and keep looking for my call. I truly appreciate uh, our conversations. They're fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. You got Thank it. You Everybody, well. check out uh, John Boy Media. And then, of course, John Boy himself at John Boy underscore on Twitter at John Boy Media on Instagram right here on The Rich Eisen Show. So let us take a break. And when we come back, we hit on uh, the latest um, athlete who needs a check in self awareness. That's next. 844 204 Rich, your phone calls as well. Back here, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Chris Brockman had to leave mm-hmm. uh, due to an emergency. Everything's fine, but he's uh, he's he's done for the day here on the program. So it's just us three. Yeah. Here We're on Cinco de Mayo. Just us three right now. Anyone could Is that what we got? Okay. <laughs> it's already quieter. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, so there are some athletes that need a, a, sometimes a mirror, right? To look in the mirror and have a little bit of a... Um, what do you say? Uh, uh, reality check. Yeah. Right. Reflect upon themselves. Right. Or or just understand, you know, hey, when you hit send on that thing, did you think about that? <laughs> did you think about it? Because yeah, we have no edit button, as we know. So I, I saw this sometime um, yesterday. Um, uh, took a while. Uh, Patrick Beverly, as we know, he says it with his chest. He says it with his does. fingers, says it with his thumb. And um, – he saw, just like the rest of the basketball-loving world, he saw John Morant um, come up with 47. Yep. Drop it on the Warriors. And they needed almost every last bit of those 47. <laughs> even with Gary Payton the second being knocked out for a month, by the way. How about that? A month, it looks like he's going to be out. Like he could be back for the finals if the Warriors make it How there. How about that, though? At least he's the season right. technically it's not. It's over. not over. It's not completely yeah. done, right? So uh, Patrick Beverly tweets out um, this 47 piece head slap didn't happen in our series. Just saying hashtag facts. Now, in terms of facts, that's true. He did not. It is factual. He did not score 47 against the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, He did. He did score at least 30 twice. He did. Um, He scored. um, 17 in, um, let's see what we got here. He scored 32 in the first game, 23 in the second game, 16 and then 11, 
30 and then 17 in the six games of that series in which Patrick Beverly's Timberwolves were eventually, what's the word for it, eliminated. So from his couch, he's sending out the hashtag facts of a head slap, meaning what? Like you guarded him better, but you still lost. You're home. Oh, took the L. I mean, how does somebody? How does somebody do that? He doesn't sit there and think I'm eliminated. And then this is the Warriors you're talking about. Uh-huh. This is the Warriors you're talking about. You're talking about a team that puts on the court right now. I think you could say three bona fide Hall of Famers. And that is a fact. There will be three guys with jackets one day. Correct. They're all going to be the Curry family, the the Thompson family, and the Green family. will all be making a trek to uh, the Connecticut and Massachusetts area one day. No lies are detected, Rich. Okay. And uh, the, the head coach there has got rings for his player and as rings a, as a coach. As an exec, too. Doesn't he have one as an exec? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I thought he was with the Spurs I, I, It's just year. I don't – I don't – I don't so, sometimes – get the 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 idea of why aren't you um, realizing what you're saying I think it's Pat Beverly right like no. you know Brockman and I always get into it I'm a I'm a fan of Pat Beverly especially Clipper Pat of Beverly. course and I and Chris doesn't like his antics on the court but I tell Chris you need every team needs a Pat Beverly on their team. They sure. need that gritty guy who's just going to... Of course. And he gets under your skin. No question. And this is just a confirmation of that But it's just like, you got to be kidding me. Man. <laughs> You've been eliminated by this guy's team. Yeah. It's, and it's true. He didn't torture he, as bad as he torched the Warriors in game two, but the Warriors have home court advantage currently because they took a, a game in, in uh, game one in Memphis, just like they did. And they couldn't make that cash. We'll see if the Warriors make this one cash. But the Warriors now are in the position that the Grizzlies were, I mean, the uh, Timberwolves were in, which is five-game series. You've got more games in your house than, than the other one. Yeah. So. And I think we're going to see all five of those games. Well, good, good enough. I'm, 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 I'm here for that. And we'll find out if Dylan Brooks gets suspended. We'll see if the NBA does the, well, the flagrant two is not enough because you fractured another man's elbow and you've knocked him out for a month. And that is apparent that should, again, not be part of anybody's punishment is how badly somebody's been hurt. You know? Yeah. that's We've seen yeah. that many times in hockey. Well, you knock that guy silly and out cold and he's out for all this time. You should be out for that same amount of time. It was a bad, awful foul and a violation of the code, as Steve Kerr said and Kendrick Perkins came on yesterday and, and, and um, supported. But all that said, the Warriors are a championship organization. And Pat Beverly is saying, yeah, well, hey, we didn't give up 47. Hashtag facts. <laughs> head slap. Well, the head slap he slapped his head with is with a thumb that he shouldn't hit send with. <laughs> you should do that. You should do that. You should not do or that. You should not do that. Not do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. But again, like I said, that that that's Pat Beverly, man. That's the Pat Beverly brand, and that's how he's managed to survive in this league. Let's go to Jimmy in San Antonio, Texas. We'll take his call because we're going to take Terry Fontenot's call coming up next for the uh, the Falcons. What's up, Jimmy? ¿Qué pasó, hermanos? What's going on? Hey. Hola, muchacho. Happy Cinco I'm de Mayo. Still- 
Well, that's one of my things about the call. But okay. first, I'm still hungover from yesterday, TJ Jefferson Day. That was awesome. <laughs> <How is> that? <laughs> Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, I ate popcorn and played ping pong all day long. Nice. That's what I'm talking about, Jimmy. Done, Jimmy. That's what I'm talking about. My well man, Jimmy. Done. My man, Jimmy. Okay, so Cinco de Mayo. Uh, Justin Bieber said, tell me something honest, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cinco de Mayo is just Mexican St. Patrick's Day. Mexicans really don't celebrate Cinco de Mayo. Okay, great. I think that's it's more of more of a DSE safe. That's the Mexican independence. That's the big party. This one. So your kids can dress up in sombreros and go to elementary school and eat tamales. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for setting it straight, Jim. That's, that's, that. that's pretty factual from what I understand. Thanks for though. setting it straight. Right. <laughs> Jimmy. Before, before I go, uh, the Kurt Warner, Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. So Tannehill says, not my job, right? Okay, that's cool. Kurt Warner says, no, I'm here to help everybody, paper or plastic, right? That's right. <laughs> I love what I learned watching, is man. that Kurt Warner would hold the elevator door for me. That's what I learned. Yes, he would, because he's a nice guy, and I'm an a-hole when it comes to that. <laughs> no, you're not. You guys are the best. Hey, Thanks, Jimmy. I hope everybody's well, and Brockman, hope things are cool. Doc, thank you so much. Thanks, Jimmy. That's a good call right there. <laughs> <That's Jimmy's, laughs> guys, be careful. Jimmy's watching. If we had a caller Hall of Fame, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy's in it. Jimmy's, I mean, I like he's it. up for, you know, nomination for sure. He called it to TJ Jefferson Day yesterday. What a great day. <laughs> he spent it by playing ping pong and eating popcorn. You know what I spent the day doing? What? Okay, so. If only, by the way, if oh only boy. Jimmy had spent it um, going somewhere on a, on one of his two motorcycles. <laughs> oh, that would have been a much better way see, to spend that's, that's TJ Jefferson we, we Day. Had, I, you know, I live in Playa here. We had two power outages within three hours of each other right at the beginning of the second quarter of the Sixers game. Oh, man. You didn't miss anything. Out. You didn't miss anything. By the way, couldn't get out of my garage because there's no power. I had to call an Uber. I went to Yard House to go mm. watch the game. By the time I got there, they were already down like 17. Uh, I could have stayed at home, Rich. What a sad tale. And each of you could have been eating popcorn. Terry, <laughs> Tom, Terry Fontenot, the GM of the Falcons, coming up.